Welcome to the Brighton Business Show on Radio Reverb 97.2, DAB and online at radioreverb.com. This is the sound of your city, Brighton's non-for-profit radio station. Okay, welcome to the July Brighton Business Show on Radio Reverb, produced by the amazing H2 Productions. I'm your host, Sam Thomas. I'm a podcast host and co-founder of County Business Clubs, the members club that helps companies share their stories, because I believe... Everyone has a story to tell. I'm here with my fabulous co-host, the amazing... Lindsay Clay. Hey! But there should be like an applause. Applause, applause, <laughs> applause. Thank you. Um, I'm Lindsay Clay. I'm the founder of Connected Brighton, also a podcast host. We have our singles brand, Single Sessions, and also a very passionate coach helping entrepreneurs and people change their lives. Amazing, amazing. Lindsay, it's our third show. I know. It's awesome. I'm it loving like it. feels like we've been doing this for years now. Of course. Well, she's so natural, it's aren't just we? So <laughs> <laughs> come so easy to us now, isn't it? <laughs> we love a chat, don't we? We do love a chat. There's so much chat that goes on, listeners, before we even get on the radio as well. <laughs> like, we have to control ourselves. Be like, we should really be recording this. This is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, that absolutely. Well, listen. What? Tell me. What was? What, what have you been up to in June? June's been like crazy. I had a, my first solo holiday. I actually took a break. Obviously, as we know as business owners, it's so easy to work twenty four seven, and I had to really like prize my fingers off my business and say no clay we are taking a break and that meant having a break on my own which was slightly scary but really lovely to just go away and just have some time to breathe i got adopted by various people of course <laughs> to do around the pool but it was lovely and then came back straight into our sold out kayaking event we went kayaking around the piers between the west pier and the palace pier and it was wicked for the first time i got to see the shipwreck by the side of the brighton palace pier which i've never been able to see before and we saw jellyfish as well Jelly, there's a no, lot of jellyfish no, going on. There's a lot of jellyfish. No, no jellyfish stings? No, they're really big though. They were really? like surprisingly big, yeah. I've, I've been swimming in the sea pretty much most mornings. And luckily enough, not seen any. But a good friend of mine, Rob Starr, who also swims, he, he's twice in a week. One, <gasps> one sting under his eye. What? I know. I mean, I know. I'm having seen them, I'm not surprised because they are they enormous. Big. And you don't really notice them at first. We've got some cracking footage. If you look on my Instagram at Connected Brighton, I've done a little reel and you'll see our video of the jellyfish. It was crazy. And Geo from Brighton Water Sports that takes us out, he's so passionate about wildlife. So he was pointing out all these different fish and there was two different types of jellyfish that we saw. He got very excited about it. He's <laughs> just like, Lindsay, Lindsay, look at this, look at this. I was like, this looks like a carrier bag underwater. Like, what is it? And I was like, oh, it's the jellyfish. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. So yeah, it's been really lovely with Connected. And we also had the wonderful team at BBC Radio Sussex come out to our singles night as well oh, which cool. is super fun and we had a sold out events we had um, half and half men and women which we somehow always get which is amazing and they had a great time with us so we've been having a lot of fun as we always do with Connected Brand tell me what's been happening over on your side of the world well 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 we start, June, June was a pretty packed month we, we, I spit a few plates as you know so um, just a few just a few just a few we didn't drop any this month which is a good thing but um, we kicked it off actually first of June was awesome with that the uh charity tournament at the Amex Stadium which was my first one back after lockdown so the last one was 2019 so it was amazing we was raising money for Carpenter Box Foundation Rocking Horse Children's Charity and the Star Trust um, but yeah at 16 companies 160 players um, up at the Amex which was pretty epic and we just had a great day the sun was kind to us it was lovely um day one really smooth um spec lay limited day one won the 
final beating Rubik's, who one of our co-sponsors. Oh, which yes, was amazing. Rubik's. Yeah, yeah, Rubik's VT, which was amazing. That was one of our co-sponsors. They got to the final um, and just lost out one nil in defeat. But it was brilliant. People had so much fun. For the first time this year, we had a, um, a penalty shootout. Oh, wow. um, competition for kids so kids come down and they had the chance of scoring a big goal I went head to head with Stuart Noakes from Carpenter Box who are our headline sponsors and uh, me and him are doing a few different challenges this year which will involve a drag race which I'll go into more details another time um, <laughs> We <laughs> and one of them the first one to kick off was our penalty shootout um, why don't you ask me who won the penalty shootout? Who won the it? penalty shootout? Um, it was me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Still, although I missed the first penalty, still in the locker. I'll bang two in and uh, I'll beat him. So I'm I'm a little bit excited about that. So Thomas won. Noakes nil at the moment in our first <laughs> challenges, which is which is really exciting. But also I had some amazing podcast guests. This We round off Series 4 in June, which was amazing. So I finished off with Dave and Blow, uh, Joe Blood come on, which was really cool. I had Nick Poiner from Ruby. Bics, uh, Kiriakos, who you know, Baxivanis. Yes. Nostos. He the was wonderful he, Nostos. He, he's an amazing, amazing guest. And I finished off with a really good friend of mine, who I know we both know is um legend that is Gary Peters. So, absolutely epic episode that was. Love Gary Peters. I grew up with Gary Peters. It's so wonderful being part of the Brighton, growing up in Brighton and now being part of the Brighton business community. Yeah. Where you see people you used to know, like you actually just had Steve Salas, who was. What, Gary Peters' best mate. That's how yeah. I knew them both. They yeah. went to Stringer. Me and my sister went to Vardine, but we somehow crossed paths and we used to hang out all the time as kids. And now they're just these big, big dogs on the networking <laughs> scene and they've got these amazing, successful businesses. It's so good to see. Yeah, it's amazing. They are both really inspirational people. I mean, Steve's um, in the June BBBC. He was brilliant. Like, um, as uh, We was going to... Uh, it's one of them where you do we obviously the general format is we do a little Q&A but Steve is so passionate he's got so many great insights we just Steve just go for it and he inspired 130 people we had in the room and it was absolutely incredible so I love that it was yeah that was great fun and then and finally I, as you remember I've done my comedy gig of course. Remind <laughs> us what the name of the course is. So it was the Brighton Comedy Course by Louise Stevenson, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. It was absolutely great fun. Um, but we'd done it as a couple, me and Kelly, obviously done it as a couple, just something a little bit different, uh, not your standard date night. So I said, let's spend some more time together. What are we going to do? Oh, no, we'll sign up for a stand-up comedy course together. And it was... It was incredible just to both come out of our comfort zones a little bit. Louise puts the structure of the course together really well. We met some absolutely brilliant people um, and got so much out of it. It was just so much fun. And um, I'm not quite about to start a UK tour, but you know what? It was really, <laughs> it was, it was really good fun. And we had the final gig was in front of We had about 150 people there, or loads of people there, really supportive. And everyone on the course, there was eight of us um, who all done a little a little eight minute um slot and set and it was uh it was really really good fun i got so much from it and um really really loved it um that <laughs> and i got a couple of laughs which is obviously bonus. a bonus um but for me it's more actually I, I, it wasn't something i went into to think you know what i'm gonna get on and i'm gonna go and do stand up not at all it was something like i said to do something with my wife that was uh, something completely out of our comfort zone together, which was nice. But ultimately as well, just from a confidence point of view, 
I host different events and stand up in front of people, but the course really lends itself to that to give us that me more of a confidence in that sense. Maybe add a bit of humour to it. So, yeah, check it out, Brighton um, Comedy Course with Louis Stevenson. It is epic. Every every time that comes around that course, I see lots of really brilliant people from the networking scene get on that. So it doesn't matter whether you're you have a business or you're just working in the business. It's really good to be able to just test yourself and grow your confidence. I know there's kind of a lot of speaking clubs and there's like you know Toastmasters International is a great one um, as well. But just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is really important, just as a human, let alone uh, if you're in business or not. One hundred percent. I think whatever we do, it's so easy isn't it, to sit within that comfort zone and we like what was going on here and there's no problem but as soon as you step out you learn so much about yourself and and you can learn so many different skills and look, i'm a yes man so for me yeah let's do that and we'll figure out and what comes with that is great experience isn't it and it certainly was a great experience i'm not gonna lie i'm very proud that's and not an easy thing to do and it will be before it goes on netflix i think they get filmed <laughs> so we have got uh <laughs> i will share the video <laughs> to a select group i'm sure <laughs> remember you can find us on linkedin everybody so under Lindsay clay or or sam thomas look us up look us up check the video out Awesome. And then, so today, look, today's show, we've got two amazing guests coming on, haven't we? We um, And talking about a really interesting subject, aren't we? We are indeed. So when we were thinking about what's really important for business owners, and for this show, we've said really clearly, we want to kind of arm you, knowledge is power. So what can we help to educate you on, get you the advice, get you the experts? And for us, we were like, the world has turned so much when it comes to flexibility and diversity and inclusion. And originally when we were talking about this, we were saying, like, what was our experiences when we were in corporate? So how can we help both employers and employees kind of know your rights and how to have sometimes really difficult conversations? We said from the outset, we weren't going to shy away from taboo subjects. So we wanted to get kind of two of the experts on the scene. So we've got the wonderful Mo from Watch This Space telling us about diversity and inclusion and Emma from Flexibility Matters. Just talking about, you know, what can we arm you guys with in terms of how can you make sure that your workforce is as inclusive as possible and that you're attracting and retaining the right talent yeah i love i love that and look we wanted to touch on the, the subjects we're coming into obviously being the july show we're coming into um the, the, the summer holidays where you know parents especially out there they're going to be um you know having to ju- do the juggle and look after the kids and what does that look like and you know from a workforce how can we you know that can they help be flexible around that sort of period i think that's something that we wanted to take away from this as well definitely I remember when my nieces were little my sister had a spreadsheet because obviously you can only take so much time off as a parent so it was like who was going to have the kids yeah. the rest of the time so grandparents are here aunties are here you know friends and relatives here blah 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 it was like a real kind of issue as to how you're going to cover that and then there was also the you know as someone that doesn't have children like the expectation that you will pick up the slack if you don't have kids during like half terms and you know christmases i remember that kind of really awkward like who was going to cover christmas and like all eyes go to like the one person that doesn't have kids or like the single person in the room and it's actually are we being as inclusive as we could be like regardless of someone's labels and background or where they're at now how can we make sure that we're always being truly inclusive that absolutely that and look well we uh why don't we get our guests on and uh have a little chat to them let's introduce them welcome to our gorgeous guests talking about flexibility and diversity with us today we've got mo candle out from watch this space hello and the wonderful emma cleary from flexibility matters hello welcome 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 thank you please tell our listeners a little bit about you 
Hi, yes, yeah, so I'm Mo Cangela, one of the co-creators of Watch This Space, and we're a diversity and inclusion company, and we are diversity and inclusion business transformers, helping people work better together. Um, I'm Emma Cleary and I am director and founder of Flexibility Matters and we are specialists in flexible working from everything to do with recruiting, retaining and training uh, people who want to work flexibly. So we're really passionate on this show about helping employers be better employers, building better businesses in the city. So looking at both of these topics from both the point of view of if you're an employee, what should you be asking for? Or what do you think is missing in your organisation that you can help your organisation with? And regardless of your size as a business, that we can help you to put in policies or practices or support or signposting that will help your staff. So Mo, from your point of view, I'd love to know kind of through those different lenses, what's your kind of top advice? Yeah, so if we start with employers, I think for employers it's important to assess where they are on diversity and inclusion and really get a good picture of the current situation and be honest about it. And then you can think about what actions to take and what things you need to do and who you need to engage in the organisation. From an employee perspective, what we see a lot is that employees want to do work on this. They're really keen and passionate, a lot of people, and they want to do work around this and they have lots of ideas but they struggle to persuade their employers to give them time and budget to work on this so what one of the key things is to really focus on the business benefits because there's such a strong and proven business case that diverse teams perform better so I would say to employees go to our website but there's also lots of other resources to find out all of the key information around the business case for creating inclusive teams and for employers take the time to assess where you are look at the data um, and really figure out what actions you need to take and then you can think about who you can engage from your team because there's always those people that want to do this kind of thing however small or large an employer you are there's always those people that are like yes I'd love to get involved in this. If you've just tuned in you're listening to the Brighton Business Show on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM. Yeah, I love that. And I think that I think it's important as well to recognise. I know me and you talked about a bit more on the, on the podcast about like being a bit of a tick box, box exercise yeah. and and try to come away from that and actually signposting, like you say, people to maybe your website or whatever to to actually show that it's you actually really need to be diverse and inclusive. What does that actually really look like? And because so many people, like you say, maybe want to get on that path. Same when we talk about sustainability or whatever, they want to get on a path to that, but don't actually know where to start and what's the best points to start with, I guess, is the is the key. But obviously, obviously you're here to help. Yes. So, um, yeah, that's a really good point because a lot of people think that it is about a tick box exercise. Or, you know, that statement on page five, maybe, of some lengthy job description that people have copy and pasted for years that says, you know, something like we're an equal opportunities employer, but they haven't really thought about how to be inclusive and what things they could offer people and the the job advert, the job, uh, you know, communications really speaking to what the employer is doing around a range of subjects. So flexible working, obviously one of them, but there's so many things that can be done differently. There are some great examples of those statements, equality statements, that speak to people so differently. Mm. There's a good one from the company Workable, which says, you know, come as you are. And it goes into this lovely speech about how you can really be different um, as an employer and really engage people in it. So beyond ticking a box of, yes, we've done this, it's about demonstrating what you do. And job seekers really look for that. So they're looking for employers who are doing something about it and they are really looking. So they're looking for more than that statement. They're looking at 
you know, websites, who's involved, what things are happening. And employers can be quite honest too. They can say, we've got work to do on this. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to join us and help us in that? So it's not about saying we're done and we're perfect. It's about saying it's something that's prioritised and it's important. And what are the challenges for those businesses who want to put these practices into place? What, what are the typical blockers for them? Um, so first of all, it has to be from the top. So there has to be a desire from the top of the organisation to do something about it, otherwise it won't happen. So that's the first thing. Second thing is putting some budget behind it and some time. So if people are asked to do this kind of thing on top of their day jobs in some spare time, then it's not going to drive change. It's not going to really make an impact. And then I think it's looking looking at the data and figuring out what are some of the small things that could happen quite quickly that show people that change is happening. And then you can get onto the bigger things, but it's really showing people that there is a way to making change happen. And that can be small. That can be small change to start with. As it can be a really small change. Yeah, definitely. What, what are some of them small changes? Like, is there a couple of little points that you? Can yeah. Look at? No. So uh, something like ninety percent of websites are inaccessible. So for people who uh, use screen readers and have other accessibility requirements, most websites don't don't think about that don't cater to that so there's some simple things people can do you know if you've got video content on social media and websites make sure there's captions on there so that people can read it and actually that makes the world better for everyone anyway um think about how you could do things differently so for smaller employers is that there's lots of things that can be done in a different way around flexible working we're currently trialing the four-day week which is why i have this strange gadget on my arm because we're trialing that for sussex university so there's lots of things that you can think about to try that show people you're thinking about ways to include people better what's the gadget on your arm it's tracking sleep and activity so the trial the sussex university trial on the four-day week um includes mri scans blood tests sleep tracking productivity checking and it's a very science-based look at the four-day week that's amazing. Mm. That is amazing. I'll be really, I'm very intrigued to find out about that. Dr. Charlotte Ray, who's yeah. behind the neuroscience of what the happiness factor is that uh, a four-day week brings, is uh, she's actually coming to talk at one of our events. She's she's amazing. She's quite inspirational, and obviously it's a national scheme, mm. the four-day week. But to have it in Brighton with the neuroscience behind it um, is is pretty phenomenal. And actually, the presentation that the Brighton Chamber did back in April I think it was was that everything that flexible working is about is underlined when you work a four day week everyone's happier, everyone's more productive There's been some great Brighton businesses that started a four day week yeah. haven't there mm, yeah. kind of I think probably again, driven by this yes. and yeah. in terms of what that means for you so flexibility matters, helps organisations literally be more flexible in terms of how they recruit and retain their staff Absolutely, so that our core business is, is recruiting flexibly and everyone you know when you go for a job interview, you just, it, it says on the job advert, this is a full-time job. And, you know, people who come to us for help, um, empl- um, employees, are like, well, when do I talk about flexible working? So they come to us because they know that we're going to broker flex before that full-time job advert. It's sort of, a, a, you know, it's like, well, when do I talk about it? So so just to backtrack a little bit, we, we founded... Um, Uh, flexibility matters over nine years ago and obviously the pandemic has propelled flexible working into everyone's vision but there's still so much to do and there's so many sort of misunderstandings about what flexible working actually means because everyone goes oh well it's working at home because that's what the pandemic meant Mm -hmm. that we all had to do but actual flexible working could be the week can be carved up in so many ways and the month and the year can be carved up in so many ways to make it a more accessible working environment for whatever your needs are and that's not just because candidates want it it's because it's 
what employers understand that they're going to get more out of their people and their people will be more loyal and will be more retained. So it's trying to work with both employees and employers about how to make flex actually work so that your business case is benefited, so that people come to you as an employer of choice um, and then don't leave because recruiting is really expensive. You don't want to spend lots of time and energy and money and then find that you've got the wrong person at the wrong place. So I think the flexible working movement has moved on so much as a result of the pandemic. And now we're in that really interesting phase of, so what does it actually mean now on the ground to businesses and to employees? Because there's 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 a shocking statistic of 8.7 million people of working age who are not accessing work, either because they have disability, they're older, they've got caring responsibilities, so many different reasons. If you open the doors and go, we are prepared to recruit flexibly, you'll find that a lot more people will apply. I was just listening to a podcast and Zurich was saying that their recruitment statistics doubled when they put on every job advert that were open to flexible working. They And, and particularly, they're, they're, they were guided by trying to get more women into their business because financial service and insurance businesses are not notoriously female-friendly. But to double your recruitment and then blast through that glass ceiling because they were also recruiting at senior levels by having everything open and flexible. It seems like a no-brainer. It's so easy to put something on your job adverts that says we're open to flexible working, which is what Working Families Charity um, suggests that everyone does. But 30% of job adverts have anything to do with flexibility on them. It's ridiculous, even in this day and age. (laughs) It's crazy. Tell what I find, and obviously I think the pandemic did, definitely propelled it like like, mm. you, like you suggested but what I find interesting was going to link obviously with your watch as well actually recognising that people are productive at different times so some yeah. people yeah. get up really early mm. and are more productive some people are night owls and they want to so actually the the world we don't need someone to sit in front of me nine to five to know that they're going to be being productive if you Absolutely. are more productive at one yeah. o'clock in the morning then great there, as long there, as that works getting done. there's so much more to it than just flexible working it's the whole culture of a business mm. because you know we recruit into some businesses and we know that they are going to look after their staff and value them as flexible workers whether it's full-time part-time or whatever it mm. is and then you look at some of the businesses that we don't work with that you go well you haven't changed despite a pandemic you're saying that you're going to employ flexibly because you need people Mm. but is your culture robust enough to actually support those people once they're inside your business because otherwise they'll leave because if you are just going oh you're shirking from home again um that's not really supporting how people need to feel a valued member of a business society I guess there's still there. There is still some people archaic in that way, thinking, "Oh, if you're if you're not in front of me and you are at home, you're mm. shirking." And mm. you know, working from home means that you're not being productive. Like, I just surely, like you said, surely the pandemic has got to have opened so well, many people's do, eyes. Do you know what it has done, Sam? Is it has meant that there are so many more culturally culturally observant businesses, and you know, mm. Brighton is fantastic for that. Um, but you don't need to go very far north up the M23 to find businesses that aren't quite so diverse and inclusive um, and maybe aren't the, uh, the the sort of shining lights of flexible recruiting and working. Mm. So I think it's, it's not only propelled flexible working into everyone's vision, but it's also shone a spotlight onto how a culture can be embracive of 
all sorts of different types of people, which is why, you know, flexibility and diversity sit so close mm. together, because you only have to look at the statistics of mature uh, workers who are sitting at home who haven't gone back to work since the pandemic. And there's an enormous amount of skills and experience sitting out there that really should be employed. But if you don't employ them flexibly, they don't want to work. So and interesting since the pandemic in terms of, you know, obviously we all worked from home. And prior to that, if someone was working from home, you would raise an eyebrow to be mm. like, are you going to get anything done? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest here. And then obviously we've all realised we can be way more productive yeah. at home. And I found it so interesting watching different businesses put new policies in mm, or yeah. expectations mm. of we want you to be in 30%. Yeah of the time and mm. the pushback from employees now to say but I'm going to be on zoom calls all day mm. why do I need to travel in yeah what benefit am I going to get and trying to balance that you know that sociability so, you know we've talked in our previous mental health episode but it is actually really important to get your employees together so you can spot yeah. when people aren't right because if someone's struggling you can't always tell when you're working from home but also you can't create a culture without your people it's yeah. not about a building but it is about what people do in that building. So if you don't, you can't create a culture without bringing your people together at some point. And you need ideas and you need sort of sparking off each other. So I think the 30% rule actually is quite interesting. But to then say 30% of the time needs, it's like 30% of your time needs to be in collaboration with your people. It's not about you need to be in these four walls. I could go on about this. So I was going to say, so could I. So <laughs> the other thing around this is that job seekers are the people that are going to drive this because actually the top terms people search for are things like flexible working, mm -hmm. uh, remote working, diversity and inclusion. You know, that's what job seekers are looking for. So those employers that are not embracing that are going to struggle to recruit. And there are definitely companies, the corporate I used to work in actually uh, close to London, who before the pandemic said, no, none of these jobs can work from home. Absolutely not. Overnight, they seem to make it work. Interesting. <laughs> 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 yeah, but now they're saying everybody has to go back to the office yeah. because they've got a big building, yeah. and so they're they're saying everyone has to go back to the office. And what's happening is they're struggling to recruit because mm. people are, are voting with their feet. Mm. They're choosing the employers that genuinely embrace different ways of working. And it's not about hours you sit at a desk. It's about your output. It's about the mm. tasks that you complete and the ideas you have and all those things rather than hours at a desk. 100% agree with you. But those big employers who are now saying, well, actually, we do want everybody back five, mm. five days mm. a week, just feel so archaic. Yeah. Yeah. Before Connected Brighton was a little glimmer in my eye, I was applying for a head of role in government and, and it was based in London and they expected me to be in the office every day. And as soon as I realised that, even though I was doing an online recruitment process because mm. we're in the pandemic, I just thought that this is not the employer mm. for me. And I was really surprised that they had that attitude. But there is a lot of businesses now that they do want you because they're paying for their accommodation mm. or because they think from a social point of view or they don't trust you if you're working at home. But they, you're right. I do love the fact that employees are setting the boundary yeah. now. But actually government has stepped up because of for that exactly that reason that there is now legislation going through parliament about requesting day uh, day one flex. It's not here yet, but it, it's it's going through the, the government mm. pathway to ensure that when you are job interviewing and employees need to be employers need to be really cognizant of this is that you are allowed to request flex from day one. Mm. So it should take away that barrier of a full time job being only a full-time job because if it will mean that the right person for that job gets the job mm. and if they're wanting some flexibility with it then they can request it straight away it doesn't mean they get it straight away but they can request so the, process will be so the best for person them. for the job will get it yeah. it's similar, i was going to say around salaries on job adverts as well there's um again it's a way 
from the legislation actually going through, but there's a lot of um, work going on to make it mandatory state a salary range on your job descriptions because that's the other thing that so many employers still don't put salaries on job adverts and it's so frustrating it's a huge red flag to to me and many other people because it just means they're trying to get away with paying you as little as possible and it cuts your number of job applications by around half as well so there's like it's it seems crazy that people are still doing that but emma you must see that all the time well we bully our uh, employees Mm. employers to say you know, we won't get good candidates unless you give us the All salary part, range. At least. <laughs> but yeah. also, uh, you know, since since flexible working has become so topical, you need the benefits there as yeah. well. Uh, people, because the job market is so scarce and so fluid at the moment, if you don't put your benefits down there, you just cut your nose off to spite your face because you don't get the applicants. So you need your salary, you need your pension, you need your mm. holiday, you need your you know, all the things that people value. I guess it's back to a couple of things I want to take from that. One, the culture piece is the bloodline of a business, right? Mm. So you've got to get that right to get... But the balance there between the whole flexible working side of it is how difficult it is if everyone's working from home all of the time, difficult to create that culture. Have you not seen Ooh, that? I would, mm, I'd, be te- I'd be keen yeah, to see Yeah, so what there's great examples of companies that have never had an office. Do you know the company Zapier? Heard of they them, yeah. are, yeah, they're an app company. They're really, um, they're now quite a large employer. Yeah. They've never had an office in the whole time the company's right. existed, and they have a great culture. Mm. And mm. they have, you know, people apply really want to work for them, so it can be done. And it just needs some they, thought. Because I'd be really intrigued for. I find that fascinating. Because I think for me, culture, like as you said, is the bloodline of a business, mm. and you've got to create a strong culture, a place where people want to be and they want to work. Doesn't necessarily have to be a building and an office. I'll get mm. that, but just surely that's got to be more difficult to create that outside of a... Um, One of our speakers at Flex Forward is um, Hannah Smith from Paddle, Chief um, People Officer there. They have paddlers all over the world. There's no one hub. They Mm. create hubs in different places so people can actually go into a hub if they want to. Mm. Um, But they create, I think it's four times a year, a paddle conference so that you start living and breathing your paddle um, culture, mm. and, and that's what Zapier do, do as well. Yeah, they exactly. have get-togethers with people. They have brilliant communication. Mm. I think you have to have really yeah, strong yeah, sure. communication and really involve people in strategy and what's mm. happening, so they don't feel like they're cut off from things. Mm. I think if you do those things, you create the culture yeah. that makes it possible. I, I used to work for a utilities company, and it was the first time I had worked for a, a big corporate before. And we had hubs all over all over the UK, and then we also had um, teams who were out in the Philippines and in South Africa. And their their intranet was incredible. Mm. I mean, they poured a lot of money. Mm. It was very glossy. And everywhere you looked, there was some kind of marketing that made you appreciate the values of the organization. There was a l- they had Yammer, so a lot of like Yam mm. Jams that went mm. on, so you could talk to people on Yammer. And actually, it did really work. And I, that I had to build a web of people that could know, like, and trust me as chief of staff to get things done. And I did do it all online. Mm. Mm. So I totally understand that. And when I did see people, it was amazing. Because yeah. People like a big hugger. You know me, I'm a hugger. So I'd go, give her a big <laughs> hug. And we'd always get like our management team together like once a month. And then we'd have bigger course leads with the whole of the management team. And that actually was, that was enough mm. to, yeah. build, to build that culture. But the amount of money they poured into marketing really supported that. I think that the whole culture thing is wrapped up in diversity and inclusion and in flexible working. It, it needs a senior management team with a vision. And the vision needs to be then escalated down through the whole organization and you just look at you look at brighton though it it runs on smaller micro businesses you know they most businesses here can 
pop into the next room and talk to their their team um, or go up and down a couple of floors and talk to their teams but you know when you get to corporate levels of which we don't have that many in Brighton you know it's a much bigger challenge and to to get the trust and the cultural police embedded the only people you can ask is your staff mm. and if you don't test and pilot with your staff and ask them what they think you, you're sort of a leading a bit blind mm. so you know companies that I've seen that are most successful at most of the things that mm. we're talking about are the ones that ask the people and do regular staff pulse yeah. um, surveys and then they know what's going on and they know where to tweet because at the moment flexible working is is brilliant and is gaining so much more traction but it's the middle management that are finding it really tough to uh, to operate because people might be remote they might be part time they might be flexi time they might be term time and that actually as a middle manager delivering projects for whatever it is you're delivering is really difficult to keep your hands on and you know, so middle managers need the toolkit to manage flexible teams um, as they do a diverse team as well. Yeah, so they need strong uh, tools to use, yep. lots of communication, lots of collaboration, using, there's lots of different tools you can use, but things like Slack are great, where you can mm-hmm. create channels where people can connect with each other easily. And there has to be all of those things put in place to make it really work. But the people management skills, I think, are fundamental. Yeah. The technology backs up good managers, and yeah. at the moment, managers are being asked to do something they've never been asked to do before. So our training is is you know creating toolkits so that middle managers feel robust enough to not only manage but manage flexibly if you've just tuned in you're listening to the brighton business show on radio reverb 97.2 fm yeah and that's something that you offer as part Mm, of flexibility matters because i think that point around how you train managers is really important i know when i've been ambitious in organizations and gone up the ranks you just become a manager in title, but you're still very yes. much a subject yeah. matter yeah. expert. Yeah. And yeah. you don't really have the time. Like the first thing that will go in your diary is the one-to-ones yeah. because you've got to meet a deadline. Yeah. So the more support that we can give our management team to make sure that they do have like the right soft skills mm. and those management skills. And those so ongoing important. conversations. Yeah. You know, th- I think gone are the days where you do a, a yearly review. Yeah. You know, that's just shocking, but management task. It, it needs to be an ongoing conversation all the time. You so know. you know what's happening with yeah. your teams, and that's yeah. what we um, advocate as well, because if you don't understand what's happening in people's worlds regularly, then how can you create inclusive teams where people feel like they can be themselves and see change happening? You have to. It's, it's, mm. There's so much crossover in so that. Is, is that where uh, the word got mentioned there about soft skills? Is that where that comes into play a lot more? I sort of winced a bit, because I have a view that people use the word soft skills for things that they don't value as much or find difficult personally that's what I, it feels mm. like to me because to me communication is like a top business skill mm. to manage p- a team of people you need to be an excellent communicator an excellent listener and really be on top of all of that and you know have training on it and understand how coaching works but that's often talked about as a soft skill and I feel like it's in a way to say oh those are soft skills and actually and actually it's not it's like one of the top skills you yeah. need one of the professors in the business school was talking about exactly how they're they're turning their business um, studies courses on their heads because those sorts of soft skills are fundamental you know at some point AI is going to take over quite a lot of the sort of 
instrumental day-to-day stuff and it's going to be the soft skills that um you know the next generation are going to win out on but i think this is where and back to like an education piece and going back into schools actually soft skills is still not recognized as a real skill like we're not Mm. tested on those things are we there the the education system is such an archaic way of teaching that we're we're measured don't start me on that we're in the gcse's we'll get you back on another episode yeah we could go to town on it but that is where it is so for me exactly that i think soft skills is such an important thing that it should be recognised mm. as the benchmark as well. And it's changing so fast, as yeah. Emma said, with AI and, and other developments as well. The world of work is changing so mm. fast that employers that don't embrace that and help their people and you know provide training for them or seek training from external providers are going to just be left behind. Mm. They mm. really are. And also won't be where they'll attract the talent. Mm. You know, the talent will go to the best employers mm. with the best sort of um, systems behind them. Mm. Um, but that workforce is changing because previously, you know, if you wanted to work flexibly, it's because you had children. Mm. If you didn't have children and you wanted to work part time, people would look at you oddly for what you're going to But now do. that's completely you different. Your time. Mm. Yeah, but now we're all like, actually, I want to live my, I want to live my life. Yeah. Thanks very much, and I want to go and do. Other, or I've got a side hustle yeah. or something or else. Caring is equally I wince when people go, "Oh, you're working flexibly because you've got children," and it's like, no, flexibility is for all. Yeah, um, and if anything the pandemic has really shown us that mm-hmm. that everyone it has a better life balance if you work flexibly and that flexibly can be full-time with flex it doesn't need to be part-time with flex it's just the opportunity to ask do I need to be doing a 40-hour week sat in front of someone just for the sake of it between these hours between only. yeah yeah some people work best very early in the morning some work yeah. best you know in the evening mm-hmm. some people want to build into their day going out for a walk or a swim or whatever it is that motivates them to do more work to deliver on their work better and it's thinking about those things that are important so for example during ramadan how are employers thinking about the fact that some people need to work a different pattern during that because if they're not then they're not going to attract people to work for them and that's just one example and it's back to the actually again back to the watching the, the happiness piece that you sort of mentioned about mm. like trying to that's surely where all of us, no matter what we're trying to do, be productive or what, what is our purpose and how, how happy we are. And mm. that's where the, our measurement needs to be, isn't yeah. it? Our measurement yeah. of happiness. And if yeah. that comes from creating a more flexible environment, yeah. then that's surely got to be... Well, happy work and that's yeah. means happy work. Yeah. Yeah. It means more productive. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the, other, win, win, the win. other piece <laughs> you just touched on there is, is that people look... increasingly look for employers with a strong purpose and vision that they can get behind they feel Mm. like they're contributing Mm. towards it and that brings in all sorts of things like sustainability having time off to do voluntary work you know they really want to feel like they're working for an employer where they're contributing to a greater good Mm. it's so important to people Mm. yeah yeah it's that sort of caring factor and kindness factor and i think you can't have that presenteeism towards those key factors now as an organization we're saying about the tick box you have to genuinely mean it and live it and breathe it to mm. truly attract that that right talent in because mm. people won't be fooled people no they won't yeah, 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 they yeah, see yeah, through it yeah, yeah. straight away yeah they, they have to feel it's genuine mm. yeah and i love i absolutely love that we're we've entered this new world where you said that covid has really helped to move us forward in terms of everybody should be able to mm. work flexibly we need to make sure that everybody feels included you need to be seen and heard you know as business yeah. owners we need to make sure that we're being ethical and conscious and Who, honest thought and a global kind. pandemic yeah could yes. could <laughs> have so much good come out of it because it really has meant that the world has had a relook at itself 
Because and us as individuals, we have, haven't we? How many people I talk on the podcast about, you must do the same, but you speak, and, and just within the business community in general, like, people have changed jobs, they've mm. changed careers, they've started businesses or whatever. A high number it. of people started businesses because yeah. they mm. felt that their employer wasn't giving them that sense of purpose yeah. and fulfilment. Mm. So there's a really high, Brighton has a really high number of businesses yeah, that started. Yeah. yeah, no, that's incredible. But in terms of that diversity as well within Brighton, like looking at the census, for example, I was looking at that for mm. Connect to Brighton the other day, and there's like, actually, we're not very diverse. We're not as diverse as we think we are in Brighton. It's like, how do we continue to... We are diverse, diverse in so many different ways. Yeah. I think we look at diversity Brighton, yeah. in different like ways, don't you? People talk about Brighton being diverse because it's the home of Brighton Pride and it's inclusive in that from that perspective. But actually, you know, when my family visit from London, they look around and say, oh, everybody's white. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And it so in, in other yeah. ways, it's not as diverse as people think it is. And you know, there's a Sussex police have quite a high record of stop and search for people of colour higher than other police forces so there's a lot of um things that people don't necessarily know about that are under the surface that actually if you think about it it's not that diverse and inclusive no and i think that's a real i think that's a real issue because i remember growing up and thinking gosh brighton is so so diverse it's so diverse and then going to london and being like oh no hang on a minute <laughs> this is what diversity looks like but i don't know why brighton hasn't got more diverse over time i feel like you know looking at those census results i thought it was actually quite shocking yeah, so it's about where people feel comfortable. So there, you know, there are communities of colour in Brighton. There are, but there are also people that feel very um, constrained by life in Brighton. Feel they're not included. If you look at positions of power, are people really represented? Not really. If you look at, you know, who's leading um, the sort of institutions in Brighton, who's leading companies in Brighton, it's not very diverse and inclusive and you know there are I remember actually talking to you about this Sam on the podcast Mm. that you know underneath the surface in a lot of businesses there are some stories that really put people off so um, we never find out about it but a lot of people have been made to sign NDAs and silenced and paid money and silenced because of behaviour that they've experienced and obviously we don't hear about it because they've been silenced so we can't talk about it Um, but you know those sorts of things speak to why people perhaps don't feel like they want to live here and um, it comes up a lot with the university so a lot of the university students that perhaps come from London or other places they tend to not stay here afterwards because they don't feel like it's that diverse so they go back to London or to other cities that feel more inclusive to them that's such a shame. Mm. There's also you just reminded me that point about the census because I think on the um, the LGBTQ factors as well, it was a really small percentage of people w- identified as queer in the city, which I don't think is accurate. But it's people feeling comfortable also to say this is how I identify. Mm. I know I've seen that in previous corporate jobs where we asked our management team, you know, it was part of that kind of looking at you know how do you identify gender, etc. Mm. And we had like no queer people according to that in our management team. And I'm pretty sure we did. Mm. But again, it was just that feeling of what did that mean for me if I put my People don't feel safe it. to say People those things. People don't feel safe. And, you know, in Brighton, there was... Um, so after the summer of 2020, there was a, a big piece of work that involved a petition to the council, which I was involved in, and it was um, around anti-racism. And part of the output of that, there was lots of different things that came out of it. Part of it was an anti-racist school strategy. Now, for all the people that supported that, there was a big backlash. There were lots of people, and you can look it up online, who completely opposed it and, you know, submitted counter-petitions and, you know, were really against it. And so if you're somebody looking at perhaps moving to Brighton and you see that, you're going to say, do you know what? I'm not taking my family there. That is truly That's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. What can we do? What can we do as, as businesses to help make to attract more diverse 
stuff, for example, so that we can actually start to break some of that down? Oh, the, the city's so expensive to live in. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's if you haven't always come from Brighton, to move to Brighton is... They say London by the sea, the prices yeah. are... Exactly. The prices are prices. sky high and getting yeah. worse, actually, so yeah. people are being priced out more and more. Yeah, um, so, moving further and further out of Brighton. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure that you would come here as a f- if you were first to this country. Um, so that people people do. Um, oh. <laughs> people do. So I'm um, a trustee at the Clock Tower Sanctuary. So in terms of refugees, there mm. are people that come to Brighton. And actually Brighton's second after London for homelessness because it is appealing to some people. But then when you get here, it's a really hard place to live because mm. it's really expensive. Yeah. So there needs to be a lot more work around affordable housing because there's so far to mm. go on that that it's really hard for people to live in Brighton. And some of the salaries for jobs, yeah. to get that salary and then live in Brighton is very hard. And the, sa- the salaries are non-comparable mm. with London and the price of living is exactly the same one, near on. Um, but I, you know, we've been doing quite a lot of work with the Ukrainian refugees and sadly they are very competent, but actually their level of written English, their verbal English is really good now. But And some ploy- employees are fantastic at being inclusive with that, but when they actually get into the job, they're... You know they've got to learn a whole new alphabet, and that that's not helping the um, the situation at all. No, and without wishing to get too political, there's a homes for Ukraine scheme and there's support for Ukrainian refugees, but there isn't from for, other countries. Yeah. What about people from Sudan? There's no support for them at well, all. Actually, mm-hmm. in the um, the job centre actually have done an inclusive job they there, have, now, yeah. they, which has been much better. Mm. So um, anyone who has English as a second language is invited um, to make it more inclusive. So there are some. There are some really there good, are some things, really good things going There's on. pockets of brilliance pockets of always. Brilliance. Mm. Um, like, like all businesses, yeah. you know, there are pockets of brilliance. If you have a corporate, it might be that oh, we worked, did some work with the NHS, actually, and the, some of their departments were unbelievably flexible. And then you got to the clinical staff, and they were, they were flexibility was almost non-existent because they're so short of staff. So everyone has to work 24-7. Some trusts are trialling the four-day week, aren't they? They are, Mm. and some are trialling Flexperts, so they're Flexible Working Champions. That's what um, Portsmouth are doing. Flexperts. I love that. It's marvellous, isn't it? So we train their Flexperts on how to be the front line of defence for flexible working. How do you you make your job more flexible? How do you put in your flexible working request? Um, How do you make it happen? Because that's the, the actual practicalities of you know, not wanting to be seen to be doing something different in an organisation like the NHS is really hard. You don't want to think that your job is going to be jeopardised because you've asked for flexible working. And that's what the Flexperts were there for. And they're doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very cool. That's cool. That's very cool. Look, we're, we're just coming towards the end, aren't we? We wanted to, we did just want to touch on quickly about the, the as we're recording this in for the July episode about school holidays. Yeah, so we're just thinking about when it comes to being truly flexible and inclusive in your workplace. Like, you know, it's July and August now. All the parents are going to need lots of time off, which tends to mean people without children have to pick up. Do you know what? I'm not sure that people need lots of time off. Everyone wants their holiday if they want to go, whether they want to go away or they want to be at home with their kids or whatever. Um, 
we were just talking beforehand we about the fact that if we didn't have children, I have three children, I go on holiday during the school holidays. But if I didn't, there's no way I'd be going on holiday in July. <laughs> so uh, I don't have children and I won't, wouldn't go on holiday in the school holidays. I would always, yeah, good times for me are sort of September and January or February. I, I think I think it might be a bit of a misnomer that you pick up the slack because you're, you know, people's children are on holiday so therefore they're not going to be in the office. I think with pre-planning and pre-organisation, mm. And as you say, why would you go on holiday yeah. with a bunch of other people's kids if yeah. you don't have to? <laughs> and, and but the maybe cost you do have to. Doing that the cost, is yeah. Ridiculous. But maybe but the cost is so, so outrageous. That has to go on holiday with your sister and your nieces. So maybe you <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like you were saying before. There's all shades. So yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a choice, board, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's a and choice. it's not black and it's never black and white. No. I think that's the other thing. But I've definitely had that experience. You know, in my roles where I've had to have the timetable and in that timetable for planning which is doing the corporate plan and the yep, annual yep. accounts and all the reporting in between I had to include all the half terms yep. because all the people that needed to sign off those documents or reports would be off at the same time yeah. in those weeks which meant that we would have to and that's, you know, we, we, and that's the planning that yeah. 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 you have to plan around it we, you know, we know we don't run candidate events anywhere near a half term or a holiday yeah. because people don't turn up yeah. um, so y you know, we know when the school holidays are and if you've got a good management team, they will plan accordingly um, so that everyone feels that they've at least got the right to ask mm. at the right time. And with, you know, this new flexible working legislation, you've got the opportunity to ask for flexible working twice in a year now, which is new. So maybe you use one of those requests to talk about how you manage your holidays, because maybe you work at home a bit more often. The downside of that is that it tars flexible working with the wrong brush because flexible working is not childcare at home um, and we have a lot and of conversations about yeah. that and, and it's, it's for everyone, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's definitely that point of appreciating that everybody has got different Other needs. things going on in their yeah. lives and yeah and so you know for parents and non-parents you will have different needs at different mm. times mm. seasonally and as organizations you just need to be open to those conversations yeah. Yeah. and supporting people regardless of what point it is in uh, uh, ultimately from the theme that's gone through the whole thing and as you've mentioned a few times Mo, and, and you know communication isn't yeah. it? From yeah. from every level it's got to mm. be about good it's open commu communication communication and engagement so people feel like they're listened to they're communicated well to and that they they want to be you know do a good job yeah. if they yeah. feel like that and that their employer's listening then you'll get engaged people who will plan when they take time off yeah. you know all those things will happen I think communication and trust you know yeah. if you employ the right people to yeah. do a great job as grown-ups they will deliver yeah. in Babes, you know, they just go above and, above and beyond because they've been listened to and they've been heard um, and they will do a good job for you. I think, you know, rather than starting it on the negative perspective, mm. of this person's going to, you know, be watching daytime telly if we let them work at home. You know, that's that's rubbish. Most people want to do the best that they can. And, and also we'll just one quick point on that. When I worked in corporate in a big organisation with, you know, thousands of people there, the amount of time wasted was incredible. Yeah, yeah. You can coast in those places and mm. just wander around and not do any work, but but be visibly in the office. Yeah. yeah. And actually, it's about having people that are committed to doing their jobs and are not doing that. Hundred percent. Mm. Love that. So tell us, our listeners, where can we find you? Uh, so yes, yeah, so I'll start. So um, we're WatchThisSpace.uk and on social media we're at WatchThisSPCE and we're on all your favourite social media platforms. Fab. Make sure you look Mo up. And Emma, where can we find you? Uh, so you can find me at emma at flexmatters.co.uk and you can find Flexibility Matters at our website, uh, flexibilitymatters.co.uk and as Mo says, on all your favourite channels. <laughs> Amazing. 
brilliant conversation. Thank you both for your time. That was great. Thank, Thank you. you. And that is a wrap. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Brighton Business Show on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM. Lindsay. Sam. Awesome chat again. They were great guests. There's so much to cover yeah. in this space. I mean, I feel like we could just have them on for a whole month every day and we still wouldn't cover everything. Yeah, it really is. They And they're both so knowledgeable in their fields, which was great. So it was great to get that, that sort of outlook. But what, tell me, what was your main sort of takeaways from that? Apart from how amazing they both are, thank you so much to Mo and Emma because just so knowledgeable yeah. on the subject. But what really struck me was just how much the world has turned since COVID mm. and what employees need from their employer now has shifted so considerably. So, you know, as Mo was saying, you know, employees are voting with their feet in terms of who they will and won't work for, depending on how flexible, how diverse, how inclusive, what the culture is like in a business mm. and that's an that's an enormous shift so really businesses need to be keeping up the pace and doing it authentically mm. i thought that was like a really really important point for kind of our businesses to take away and also as employees what your rights are and what you should be allowed access to and mm. how you should feel whether you are at home or you're in the workplace and how you can create an amazing um, collaborative space online yeah no I, compl I completely agree and I think w the thing that certainly struck me from the conversation as well from certainly the, the shift in when Covid happened was that prior to that a lot of companies go oh no we can't be we can't work from home we can't do that and and then all of a sudden overnight a lot of companies just had to adapt and change and oh we can actually do this and it just changed the landscape so much didn't it I remember when um, I was working for a large utility company and we got everybody home within three weeks. We were saying, and they were working from home. I mean, not necessarily comfortably. That was people, you know, with the laptops on their beds and kids calling over them and, you know, cats on their laps and things like that. But we said, if that had been a project, it would probably have taken 10 million in five years. But we did it in three weeks because you had to. So it really was an amazing opportunity for businesses to know that they can work in a very different way mm. and the opportunity that comes from that yeah absolutely and i think it's ultimately for me what i took out of it not just from that conversation but certainly even people i talk to about on the podcast we often allude to to um to covid and the impact that sort of had on people but it's to the point that if someone's working from home they can still be productive and do their job whether that's that they're working from eight till three then they pick the kids up and then they work from seven till nine or something like that as long as that jobs getting done they don't need to be sitting in front of me in an office from nine to five for that to happen do they oh definitely and that was what emma was saying in terms of you know people want more part-time and that doesn't necessarily mean people with children mm. actually again covid has really helped people appreciate the work-life balance mm. and i know so many people without children or grown-up kids who they want to work three or four days because they want to have a life mm. and again we seem to be more in a world of that's really important, like your mental health is so important, the life you live is so important, and actually you should be, you know, don't live to work, work to live, and how do you get that balance right? And as Emma's doing, you know, encouraging employers of, as long as the work gets done, you know, what is the output that you need and the outcome that you need from this particular role so that you are attracting and retaining the best talent for your business? Yeah, I love that, yeah. I'll totally agree, and I think for, for me, the culture piece come out of it. Well, I, I, I talk about culture so much on the podcast because I think it's a bloodline of, of a business one, we, as we just spoke about. But what I found fascinating and some really good hints and tips from, from the guys around um, around how you can still create that culture by having a completely remote working team. But, you know, whether you have more team outings together or you bring people together in a certain way, you can still create a strong culture by having a really flexible, diverse 
the diverse company and it's all down to communication so i think mm. you know reflecting on the last three episodes one of the kind of really key points has been around communication mm. and knowing that the lines of communication are open and how you communicate and the channels by which you communicate mm. you know the, the language that you use it's so important that people feel mm. supported I was also really struck when we were talking to Mo about the lack of diversity in Brighton, you know, having looked at the census. And I think, you know, as a business owner, I found that information out from researching, you know, my audience in Brighton and who should I be targeting because who's here and who could benefit from my product and service. And again, I would really encourage business owners to do the same and have a look and just thinking, how do we make Brighton more diverse and more welcoming? to those people who don't feel comfortable here like that makes me really sad as a Brighton girl that people wouldn't want to be here mm. and I hope that's something that really shifts over time yeah I completely agree I completely agree well look it's been a it's been a great show just tell me quickly before we go what, what you what you're up to in July loads of events loads of fun stuff we do we've got cocktail masterclasses we've got kayaking um, we've got our singles nights there's something every single week get on our website www.connectedbrighton.com and check it all out amazing what about for you um, again, we've got a couple of exciting events coming up, but mainly I've got a big announcement. With the, I've had the thing from Guinness World Record come through, so I'm actually mm-hmm. going for the 40-hour podcast, oh which is going to be a world record later this year. So watch out for that exciting announcement and, and when the date for that will be. So, oh, my goodness, Sam. You're amazing. You're amazing. Awesome. And that, as they say, is a wrap. You're listening to The Brighton Business Show on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM. <laughs>